Welcome to a very festive episode of Sleepover Cinema, where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of those who are forced to live vicariously through various child stars in order to pretend Julie Andrews is, in fact, their grandmother. I'm Hannah Leach. (laughs) And I'm Audrey Leach. We are the sister filmmaking duo, also known as Two Pink Pictures, and we have not stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them. We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the movies that first inspired our love for film in an attempt to answer the question, are these movies actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if they are? Today, we are talking about 2003's Eloise at Christmas Time. On Disney DVD and video, your favorite pint-sized princess is back. Eloise. In the new Eloise at Christmas time, with the legendary Julie Andrews as Nanny. Trey's extraordinaire. Christmas in New York City is a truly magical time of year. Is there anything more wonderful than Christmas in New York? And Eloise is spreading her own brand of holiday cheer. It's Christmas Eve! And mischief. Has anyone seen my pet? It's a fun. I think it's nice to give Santa lots of options. Heartwarming Christmas adventure. It's not the presents that come wrapped in ribbons and bows that count, as much as the ones that come from here. Own and give Eloise at Christmas time this holiday season. Only on Disney DVD and Video November 16th. I absolutely love Christmas. Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy holidays. (laughs) It's Christmas Eve Eve, this day that you were hearing this. And so we figured we would just get into some festivity for all of you today with a movie that we really were excited to watch. But before we get into the movie, Audrey, what is our hot take of the week? So the hot take comes from Love Tara Marie at Love Tara Marie. Okay. And this one is potentially a very hot take, I feel like. (laughs) And it is, Michelle Trachenberg could do Lindsay Lohan, but Lindsay Lohan couldn't do Michelle Trachenberg. I don't think I agree. No? What do you think? I really had to think about the roles that Michelle has played. I think that... Let's think. Okay. Michelle could do Lindsay's roles. I, okay. To be frank, either of them could do either of their roles. Yeah, I agree. But I think Lindsay was the right choice over Michelle for the roles that she got. Yes. Like they needed like a specificity that Michelle can't always bring. However, Michelle's great at being evil. I was going to say, I'm trying to think of Lindsay as Georgina, right? Yeah. And that probably would have worked, but it would have been distracting because Lindsay would have been too famous for that role. I don't know. Hilary Duff was in Gossip Girl. Oh yeah. I forgot. Isn't it gay? No, not really. They just have a threesome with Dan. Right. Okay. It's not really. So not actually gay. <laughs> well, kind of gay. Um, that is a really good. It's for Dan though. Ew. I hate that. <laughs> but it's also hard to imagine Lindsay Lohan like doing Ice Princess. Yeah, like, I think Michelle's the right choice. I think ultimately, like, their paths were, like, paved correctly. Yes. um, For the most part, other than the fact that they both don't really get roles anymore. Lindsay's coming back. We know. Yes. But um, that is, that's why it's such a hot take is because it's, like, clearly there's an opinion there. Yeah, that's true. That is really true. Michelle could do Lindsay, but Lindsay couldn't do Michelle. I don't think Lindsay... Is incapable of doing anything, actually. Yeah, I think 
she could have done any of the roles Michelle did. And I, I think Michelle could have done any of the roles Lindsay did. It just would be very different. Yes, I agree. Like, they might not have landed as well. Yeah, I totally agree. So I guess we're saying we don't agree with we that. We don't agree with you. Sorry. Sorry. But thank you for pitching that hot take. So now that we have that out of the way and we are warmed up, um, Audrey, you are guiding us through the facts this time. Yes. Okay, I'm ready. So... You know, there's been a lot of movies, not a lot, but a decent number of movies we've covered at this point that have all been released through the wonderful world of Disney series, Yes, which clearly is just the strong point of Disney <laughs> as an entire company. Like there's truly not a better era for them. We've, you know, Cinderella, 97 Cinderella, 99 mm-hmm. Annie, 2003's Eloise at Christmas time. Like yes. they don't do it like this anymore. They don't. Um, and so it was released through the wonderful world of Disney on November 22nd, 2003, directed by Kevin Lima or Lima. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And he also directed the other Eloise movie. There's one that is just Eloise at the Plaza. And then there's one that's Eloise at Christmas time. He directed both of them. And it came out the same year. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. It's like a two for one. Um, he also directed Enchanted and a Goofy movie and Tarzan. Wow. Which are huge, huge movies. Mm-hmm. Disney, you know. And then he was a writer on Aladdin. Yeah. So successful Thank man. You for your contributions, Kevin. Successful man. Absolutely. And this was produced by 10 people, which kind Whoa. of makes sense because yeah. it's TV and things get complicated. Right. But we've got Kevin, who's a co-producer and director. Elizabeth Chandler, co-producer and writer. And we were talking about her the other day Mm -hmm. with um, What a Girl Wants, but she was involved with Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, What a Girl Wants, and A Little Princess. Um, Thomas D. Edelman was a producer. This is, he was like, he was the producer. So Mm -hmm. I figured I should put him in there. He produced The Usual Suspects, Dick Tracy, and Planet 51. (laughs) He was definitely like older. (laughs) Yeah. Than everybody else. And Denise DeNovi, executive produced Heathers, Little Women, James yeah. the Giant Peach. We talk about Our her faith. every five seconds. Yes. Christina A. Sicani, line produced, and she was involved with both of the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants movies. There's like a little click going on. Yeah. Here. Like they know each other. Yes. They like to work with each other, clearly. Yes. And the screenplay was written by Elizabeth Chandler, um, who I just mentioned. She also co-produced, but thought it was worth mentioning that Eloise is based on the books written by Kay Thompson in the 1950s, and they were illustrated by Hilary Knight, who honestly kind of made them. You know, the yeah. writing is important, but the imagery is almost more yeah, important definitely. in the books. And like the color scheme and everything. Yeah. Um, Iconic. There's a documentary about him. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen it though. I have. <laughs> what did you think? It's good. I mean, it's very informational. <laughs> How dare a documentary it's be purely like, informative. Sometimes I wish they were more like just like scenes with the person. Yes, totally. Um, okay. So the log line for this movie is a six-year-old girl causes problems for her British guardian, a prince and a hotel manager minimalistic and yeah there's two 
Yes. So that's the log line. And then we have a more fleshed out synopsis. Family film adapted from Kay Thompson's stories about a precocious but lovable six-year-old girl who lives in New York's Plaza Hotel. The owner of the hotel's daughter is getting married, but Eloise decides she is marrying him for the wrong reasons and tries her hand at a spot of matchmaking. But will it work? What do we think of that synopsis? That's pretty accurate. I agree. Um, and okay, taglines, there's none. None. Because it was for TV. I even looked at, I Googled like the VHS mm-hmm. cover, you know, the the packaging, all that stuff. There's no tagline on there. That is so upsetting. At all. It is not good for us. Um, I'm going to invite you to do the cast. Why? I, because it's actually your job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. Of course, we've got Julie Andrews as Nanny. Mm-hmm. Sound of Music, Mary Poppins, The Princess Diaries. We know. Yes, we do. We know. We understand. Yes, we do. I do not even have to elaborate. Mm-hmm. And then Sophia Vasilieva plays Eloise. Mm-hmm. And she's actually not even known for this movie, which I think is great. Yeah. She's known for The Little Things, Looking for Alaska, and My Sister's Keeper. I was kind of expecting her it to hit the top four, but it didn't. Wow. So good for her. Yeah. Gavin Creel plays Bill. <laughs> and Gavin Creel doesn't have a whole lot of screen credits because he is a theater person. Yes, he is. Through and through. Waitress, She Loves Me, Book of Mormon, originated the role of Jimmy in Thoroughly Modern Millie. Yep. And his voice is great on that soundtrack. He is the archetypal, perfect, straight, white guy musical theater lead. Except he's not straight, but other than that. Oh, he's not? No. Oh, well, you know, he plays straight roles, though. Yeah. Okay. He's a Jonathan Groff, which is funny because I found out that he dated Jonathan Groff. Really? (laughs) Yes. That makes sense. And he was in the original workshop of Spring Awakening in 2001. Wow. And he went to Findlay High School, which is in Ohio, and was in the show choir there, Findlay First Edition. And we've competed against them many yeah. times. They're a very formal show choir. They're they're like ball gowns and yes. very um, dapper. It makes sense. Yeah. It makes a whole lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So I could go on about him just because I feel like... I I love him. He's actually. perfect. He's perfect. He's literal perfection. Yeah. yeah. Um. And then Sarah Tofum plays Rachel Peabody, who is also a theater person. You mm-hmm. can just tell. Yes. Um. But she doesn't have any notable screen credits other than Eloise. Mm-hmm. Um. And then here's where the genius really comes <laughs> yeah, in. Yeah. 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 Christine Baranski as Prunella Stickler. Um, who we've talked about so many times, yes. I feel like at this point. Yes. She's known for Mamma Mia, Chicago, Into the Woods, and The Good Fight. Enough said. And finally, Jeffrey Tambor plays Mr. Salamone. He is known for a transparent arrested development and how the Grinch stole Christmas. <laughs> um perfect. Perfection. Perfection. Casting is one of the strengths of this movie. One of the many. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so budget here. I would normally take us into the numbers. Um, I'm using Audrey's notes. There's no disclosed budget, but Audrey, in her personal opinion, <laughs> would guess $15 million. I no clue if that's right or not, but I think, I feel like it's kind of right. There really isn't anything particularly expensive seeming except Locations. for the sets. Yeah. Slash, do you think that they actually filmed in the plaza? 
I think they did for some shots for sure. Yeah. But not all of them. Yeah. Um, and then for review, it's kind of sad because because this was on TV and sort of niche content, yeah. there's not a whole lot out there. So for some reason, for both Eloise at the Plaza and Eloise at Christmas time, there's one critic opinion on okay. both of them. And the first movie had, this was the critic consensus. Jeffrey Tambor, Christine Baranski, and Deborah Monk assist in the agreeable proceedings. That is Dis- the most disrespectful. Dr- dry thing I've ever heard in my life. And then the second movie, it was a marked improvement over its predecessor. So they're saying the Christmas one is better than the first yeah. one. Okay. I feel like I've only seen the Christmas one. I've seen both and the Christmas one is better. Yeah. It's just like... You know, when, when you add a theme onto something and it just like enhances it so much. Yes, absolutely. Like Christmas edition. It's like that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the audience score. Okay. So audiences loved this one. Well, they favored it. It was a 73% audience score. It was like a decent amount higher than the audience score for the first movie. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. Um, And there are two audience opinions. The first one says... More regal than the Princess Diaries. Julie Andrews looks like a wreck. (laughs) She does look like a wreck. I actually feel like she's disrespected in this movie in the way that she looks. She's supposed to, though, because that comes straight from the illustrations. Yes. Yes. She looks better than the illustrations. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, And then it says... One of my absolute favorite heroines when I was a little girl has been perfectly played to a T by Sofia Vasilieva. The entire cast is marvelous. And though it slips into cheesy moments, what do you expect? It's a kid's movie. It's hilarious enough to keep me entertained and livid with envy. Of who? Because they live in the plaza. Because they're just like fancy people. Yeah. Um, Agreeable, honestly. These people live a fantasy life, but like in the best way. Yeah. It makes it really fun to watch. Um. And now this gossip section, Audrey, what do we have here? We've been through this before, but um, to, I, did, I broadened it to 2003 because not a whole lot of celebrity gossip in November 2003. Yes. I think everyone was preoccupied on Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so the Britney Madonna kiss, Michael Jackson was arrested, Britney mm-hmm. and Cameron Diaz swapped boyfriends. Um, okay. Like it was Britney and JT, it was Cameron Diaz and Jared Leto. And at some point oh during God. that year, they swapped boyfriends. I can't believe Jared Leto has been relevant for that long. I know. It's so weird. It's crazy. Yeah. And then as far as movies in our genre in our sector that came out that year. Love Actually, Uptown Girls, Cheaper by the Dozen, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, and that one specific version of Peter Pan (laughs) that everybody knows. The 2003... Oh, the live action action one. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Okay, so before we get into our next section, there's a couple things I want to talk about. Obviously, we have to talk about what we remember from the movie. So, okay, let's just talk about that first. Thoughts? (laughs) What did you remember before you rewatched it? Um, I feel like we might have gotten this from the library or something. That seems right. Because to me. we didn't own it. We did not own it. But I it was in my mind. Yes. I knew I had seen it because Julie is in it, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. I know. I don't know. It was like in my brain, but I don't I don't have a whole lot of like specific memories attached to it. I remember being really good. I remember the musical-esque elements of it. Julie Andrews not being prim and proper is really disturbing when you're a child. But yeah. uh, 
still really liked it. And her post-surgery, like she can't sing at this oh, time. Yeah, I have some notes written yeah. about that for the second half. That is obviously like an American tragedy, like no other, an English tragedy. Global tragedy. Global tragedy. Definitely feel like I saw this at the Sigfurst house at some point too, Aaron and Julia's house. Our cousins. Yeah. But the other thing I want to ask is what do you, what are some of your most potent memories of Christmas as a child? Like what are some of your, like your favorite toys you got? Like things you looked forward to? Cause it's a Christmas episode. Well, we had the one where we were moving or something. I don't know. What was the one where it was really cold in the house in Boston? Yeah. I don't so even know that what the story one was is. when I was in first grade and Audrey was in preschool. We were living in Boston, but we went home to Ohio for Christmas and we stayed with grandma and grandpa. And we got like a couple presents when we were there, but we didn't get like Santa level presents. And then when we came home, A, the heat had broken and B. Well, the door was open. That's why the heat wasn't oh, broken. Yeah, it was the like, door was like wide open or something yeah. like wild. And uh, Santa had come. And then we got all of our presents at like a super random time. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got that sick vanity table. Yeah, that's yep. really what I'm thinking of. Yep. I got some good stuff that year too. But we would wake up really early in the morning. I would get really excited. Obviously, I mean, everyone gets excited on Christmas. There was one year that I really wanted this one Barbie. It was a mermaid Barbie and both Aaron and Audrey got it and I didn't. And I was really jealous. Oh, there was the year where we actually looked at all our presents before. That child was warning, bad. Child warning, <laughs> child warning. If you're a child, stop if listening. If you're a child, it's too late. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was a year when we, it was in our second house. It was in Solon. Um, so I was in like eighth grade and I was like hell bent on finding my Christmas gifts because it was part of the fun. But I like found too much. It's actually not fun. It turns out. No, I, it was kind of you fun. You just feel bad. Yeah. But then I ended up feeling bad, but I found a bike in our basement. Yeah. We found bikes. Um, yeah. we actually found our first laptops too, but we didn't know they were laptops cause they were wrapped already. Yep. It was yeah. too much. We didn't need to do all that. But ever since I did that, I was like, like, I never went looking again because I was like, this isn't even fun. Like, no, you just don't don't do it. The, the te- it's very tempting. Yeah. But don't do it. Yeah. I think my favorite Christmas gift I ever got, though, was my pink iPod mini when I was in fifth grade. That rocked my world. Mm-hmm. And it was very cute. I think we still have it. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Mine was pro- I mean, truly, my favorite gift is probably just my first laptop, like for mm-hmm. That's a good one. Yeah. When you're an adult, it's a whole lot less fun. (laughs) Kind of, but it's fun to get stuff for people. Yes, but you just also have to do it. Yeah, that (laughs) is true. It has to go both ways. That's true. You're not just like randomly hooked up with stuff. Yeah. Um, But I'm excited, especially because it's like, Normally on Christmas Eve, we go out to dinner with our parents and with Josh, my boyfriend. And last year we didn't get to do that because of COVID. And this year, even perhaps if it's ill-advised, we will do that, which will be fun. (laughs) And our family is really good at um, structured conversations based on themes. So I'm sure that's shocking uh, as you are listening to us have this structured conversation now. But yeah, we have juicy convos. So that's always fun. Go watch Eloise. It's not easy to find. We watched it from a weird YouTube link. It wasn't. First of all, it's not weird. And (laughs) you should find. It's not hard to find either. 
if you just go on YouTube and search Eloise at Christmas time, it's like okay, the second it's one. It's hard to find a high res, <laughs> normal looking version of it. The version we watched was in like yeah, 380p I don't or something. Know because it's not on Disney Plus and it's not for rent. I feel like so many of those wonderful, wonderful world yeah. of Disney movies are so hard to access. Yep. But they did put Cinderella on Disney Plus, so yeah. So it's probably a matter of time. But yeah. you know, go to your local Goodwill and look for it. <laughs> look for Scrounge. a copy of it and see what you can find. Yeah. Okay, we will be back with our thoughts on Eloise at Christmas time. I'm Christina Yerling Biro, host of the podcast Pop Culture Confidential. Join me as I go way behind the scenes with some of the most influential people in entertainment and media. Hear actors such as Succession's Brian Cox talk about his favorite characters to play. There always has to be a mystery. The audience have to be in a situation where they want to know what's going on. Meet studio execs like Pixar chief Pete Docter and learn his secret on how he makes us cry. Emotion is our first language. And so many others who are defining popular culture, from Obama speechwriter David Litt to Top Chef host Padma Lakshmi. We don't often think about food politically or we don't want to, but it really is. Join me. Search for Pop Culture Confidential wherever you get your podcasts. We are back for our very special Christmas episode of Sleepover Cinema, and it is time for us to talk about Eloise at Christmas time. It's about to be a positive experience for both of us, I believe. Yeah, Where pro- honestly, start? probably a short episode yeah, because yeah. it's a sort of a short movie and well, it's like average. It's like 90 minutes, but it's so good that I would like to live in the movie. I totally like, agree with you. How could I possibly have qualms with this? It is it is like almost even better than I remember. Yeah. Which is so rare. Yeah. It's so good. The, literally the only thing that I even dared to put in like worse or whatever is that I just didn't understand the time period. Oh yeah. That was confusing. Yes, yes, yes. Because we have the opened in two in the 2000s Toys R Us store. I wrote that too. But they are sending telegrams and like using yeah. film cameras, looking at magazines from the 1950s. Like it definitely had to be a situation where they did some sort of like partnership yeah. with Toys R Us. Like I was confused. We are supposed to suspend our disbelief, but she really would have been more at something like, um, what's that one toy store that closed? FAO Shorts. FAO it's Shorts. open. Oh, no. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. That would have aesthetically fit better, but they had to have had some sort of collab with Toys R Us because you see the whole uh, Ferris wheel and all that shit. Like, it's very, like, you don't know what the time period is until that moment. I mean, like, you know the time period of the in-world world, but like when it was made, you don't know until you see that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if you look at Julie, if you know Julie, you look at her, you know the time. Yeah, period. that's true. That's also <laughs> true. Um, so should we start with the bad then? 
Because I yeah. have a couple more. Yeah. Firstly, and again, my good outweighs the bad a lot, so I'll I'll, I'll keep it moving. But um, they shouldn't have had Julie sing at all. I know she was supposed to be singing in like a casual, like I'm not a singer kind of way, but it's like. I think the character is supposed to be bad. It just made me feel weird. Really? Yeah, a little bit. Hmm. Not you? No, because I think that there's some power. There's like power in her being confident enough to know that her voice isn't what it used to be. Yeah, and I guess still that's true. sing. Yeah, it just. To me, it was like when I heard it, I was like, did they write this in not fully knowing what happened to her voice? No, no. There's no way. It just made me feel weird. Okay. There's that. (laughs) I hate it in movies when father-daughter duos cannot be platonic, just like what a girl wants. I was like, why Why is is Rachel's dad? Why is Rachel's dad like... You're so grown up. Yeah, like, like ew. Ew. Uh, I hated that moment so much. Um, that made me feel weird. I, at least she, yeah, I mean, at least she wasn't like 12, but still, like, it's still, weird. It literally felt like that part in Cinderella, uh, like, uh, do I want you because, like, it gave me that vibe for like a smidge. With the father? Literally with the father. Oh, weird. The vibe was weird. Yeah. Um, I also thought that the scene where the old lady that Eloise despises just like tells her her whole life story because she yeah, doesn't understand that it's convenient. Eloise. It was just a little convenient. Yeah. Um, But it's okay because the whole thing is a cartoon. Absolutely. Like you can excuse anything. Yes. Like that. That's too convenient. Yes. When they sing 12 Days of Christmas, the alto part is very suspicious. There's sections where it's like not notes. And I just thought that that was really funny. And Rachel has no personality, really. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But you know what? I Yes. But partially, I was like, I kind of get it because from Eloise's perspective, Mm -hmm. it's like that, that was something I wrote in my appreciate is like it actually captures that feeling really well of like Mm -hmm. when you're a little girl and there's like a, a young woman or like a teenager who's really pretty or who's just like around you or whatever and how you like look up to them even if they're actually boring as fuck. (laughs) Yeah. But you won't know that. Yeah. Right. Um, You just like project coolness onto them. Yes. And that is Rachel's role. That's very accurate. Yeah. Um, And then my last thing is I was very confused by the ending. It's like, why were they threatening to kick out the old lady if then they were just going to be like, never mind. Like who paid for it? You don't get that? No, I didn't get it. Oh. Who did that? Um, The owner, Rachel's father. Oh. Yeah. Wait, but then why didn't he just do that in the first place? Because he didn't care then. Oh. Well, who <laughs> made him care? Indirectly, Eloise. How? Because, um, well, essentially, let me see if I can even remember how to explain it. But what I'm saying, it is true. Like, that is the inference is that because Eloise was able to, like, prove to him that true love exists, essentially, that, like, Gav- Very Gavin- that Bill and <laughs> Rachel Rachel should be together. Um, it like softened his cold, cold oh, heart. Oh, I see. 
when Bill shows up in the like Bavarian costume or whatever. Yes. Um, I love that. <laughs> yeah, it's a moment. I, I feel like I'm forgetting the the missing like plot point that proves that that's true. But that's the idea. Is it a thing in the Eloise books that you don't see her mother's face? I love that part. I yeah. think yes. Um, it reminded me of Mrs. Bellum from Powerpuff Girls. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know if that that's probably a stylistic thing carried over. Yeah. Um, I kind of like that. I thought it was cool. I don't know why I said that, even though we were, I don't have bad things to say. Okay. Well, if you don't have bad things to say, we should just go right into the good things. I mean, perfect casting. We know. We already yes. said that. Yes. Um, I thought they did a great job translating the tone of the books and illustrations into mm-hmm. film language. Mm-hmm. Um, that involves a lot of like dolly shots that are sped up as they move towards someone or... Just like elements that you can add that bring a cartoonish, like larger than life effect. They did a great job with that. I'm actually mad because I'm sure that Julie and Sophia had like the cutest working relationship ever. And I'm mad about it. (laughs) You're like, can that be me? (laughs) Actually mad. Yeah. It is the type of movie that makes me tear up for no reason. Yeah. Like it's not, it's not sad. No. It's literally not sad. I almost felt the same way at the end, actually. Yeah. But I'm like, the joy. It's so joyful. The joy that this exudes. Yeah. Holy shit. And I want to, it makes me want to go get tea at the plaza. Like, it makes me want to spend money. (laughs) (laughs) Is that all you have? Yeah. Okay. Well, I have more specific things. Okay. Eloise is just a very delightful premise in general, Mm -hmm. like precocious young lady living in the plaza. Just like, yes, I want to see what she's up to. Amazing casting, amazing score, amazing characters. The world, as we've said already a million times, the world just is so inviting. You really want to be there. Um, I love that this movie is just genuinely about a little girl inserting herself into shit. She has no purpose or yeah. like no business being involved in just because she wants people to be happy yeah and like wants things to be right i just think that that is so like wholesome and nice just yes the dancing okay, this is almost a good bad thing the dancing in the scene where rachel and bill are singing together is like almost too pro yeah it's too good <laughs> it's like too good like they're so sharp i'm yeah. like there's something going on here like there's something fishy going on um vocals especially from gavin so good literally perfect heavenly and his his acting dynamic with eloise too it's so, so cute. cute it's so cute it's so fun to watch um and this was his screen debut <sighs> may i add pro Pro. Pro. Truly doing what God intended him to do. Yeah. So talented. Um, I really loved Julie unnecessarily knocking everyone all over the place. Like when she finds out that Eloise got locked in the cabinet when she's like barging through the lobby, she's like knocking over every single person, like way more than is necessary. But I thought that that was like really fun and funny. And also just seeing Julie Andrews be like unrefined is Mm -hmm. funny slash very unique for people our age at least and the part when 
near the end where like Eloise thinks that her mom isn't going to be home for Christmas. And when they just nanny and her like hang out and then like pass out under the Christmas tree, I was like, I want to be there. Yeah. I was like, like, I'm mad actually. Like that's the whole thing. This whole movie. It's just that when the one review was like, it makes me livid with envy or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Same. It's just like such an interesting portrayal of a situation where like this could be shitty for Eloise, but she's just vibing like not having her parents around or whatever. It's just beautiful. I just want to be a part of it. Um, And I like that the movie is just about like love and happiness. <laughs> it's super saccharine, obviously, but mm-hmm. it's really funny because all of the adults are like trustworthy, non-creepy people, except for the sketchy husband, obviously, um, who are acting with Eloise as if she is their equal. And it's just amazing to watch. Yeah. You know, it actually is kind of good if this episode is short because it's Christmas Eve Eve. Yeah, that's true. Who has time for that? That's true. Oh, wait, that's literally a line in the movie. I know. It's Christmas Eve. You can post that when when it goes up. Yeah. I thought that the lack of parents when the mom called and like couldn't come, I did find that to be genuinely very heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, But you also, you know, you also are questioning in your mind, like it's sort of Uptown Girls vibes. Yes. You're like, oh, should I be thinking negatively about the mom or is she just a girl boss? Like <laughs> we don't even know about the no. dad. You don't even think about the dad. No, the dad is not He's involved. just not even relevant. So I'm like, no. well, I guess I should, I guess I should be happy that the mom's even calling her from yes. Paris or whatever. Yes, that is but really true. Just like about our programming. Like yeah. why? I don't even think about Eloise's dad. Nope. Not once. No. But I was judging the mom a little bit. Yeah. But if my nanny was Julie Andrews, I'd leave too. Like if mine, yes. if Julie Andrews was the nanny of my child, I would leave. You would trust. (laughs) I'd be like, you're good. You're actually better better off. off. Better off. Better off. Yeah. This movie really slapped a lot harder than I thought it would, but there really isn't that much deep to say about it. No. That's not what we're here for today. No. We're here for a nice little Christmas spectacular. Yeah. Or holiday spectacular. Yeah, sorry. Do not celebrate. But maybe you partake in the culture. You most likely partake in the culture to a certain extent. If you're someone who listens to Sleepover, you're probably pretty enthusiastic about things in general. Oh, you know what else we did not even mention? Eloise's wardrobe. Oh, yeah. That red coat, the sunglasses, Mm -hmm. the red bow. Perfect. So good. Perfect. Also, Rachel's wardrobe is really good, too. The wedding dress was pretty. the perfect, like, cool older sister vibe. Like, you were totally right about, like, the projecting coolness onto someone. That definitely happens with her. Yeah, it doesn't matter if she's actually stupid or boring. Because when you're a little girl... You don't know what it's like. Yeah, it's like, I don't know how to... You can't perceive adults like that. Yes. So... you cannot... So, okay, is Eloise a Christmas time worthwhile? Yeah. More than I possibly could have imagined. (laughs) It was so good. I want to see the behind the scenes featurette on this shit. I kind of feel like whatever's there, there's not much of it. Probably not. Which is a loss. Yeah. Because all the people involved. Yeah. It's literally perfect. Yeah. It's perfect. It's a perfect film. Once again, thank you to... 
the wonderful world of Disney for yeah. providing for us. Like, because it's really great. I will make it my life's mission to go back, like to go to Disney and be like, you need to start this shit back up. It's, I mean, I don't even know if it's possible to do <laughs> in this current age. No, but like, I feel like the essence could be captured again when you cast the right people. Yeah. Like people that bring a comforting feeling mm -hmm. to the public. Yeah. Because that's what it is. That When right. you think about it, that's kind of what it is. That is true. Whoopi Goldberg, Victor Garber, Julie Andrews, um, Ka Kathy Bates. Yeah. But what came first, them bringing comfort or us being children and watching them and being comfortable children? I think they, bring, they brought comfort to adults as it was. Yeah, probably. Because they had been around. It's not like they were yeah. um, yet really young yeah. then. That is true. Like. You're right. I'm trying to think of like who an equivalent of an actor like that that's like having their moment now would even be though. I am this kind of this kind of doesn't work, but Reese Witherspoon kind of. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, I could definitely. Laura see that. Dern. Yeah, where they're like middle aged, but they've been around. Oh, Jack Black. Jack Black. He would be good yeah. in a movie like this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, that would be so good. Also, um, Joan Cusack mm -hmm. could definitely. Mm -hmm. Do something like this. Tell us your comfort actor or actress or person. Julie not, Andrews. Not you personally. Oh. <laughs> I mean them at home. You were looking at me. I, I know. Like, I'm sorry. Andrews. I said it with a lot of conviction too. Because um, I'm really curious. Jack Black is mine, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So we hope. This is a short episode. We don't care. I okay. Don't care. Do we you? hope. No. That you have... A great holiday weekend this weekend. We hope that if you're with family, that it's fun and minimally stressful if it's normally stressful for you. Um, and we thank you as always for supporting us and listening to our show. Um, and we'll be back next week with another episode as always. Fire merch. Okay, bye. Fire merch. <laughs> okay. Bye. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts, produced, edited, and engineered by us, Hannah and Audrey Leach. Sleepover Cinema is mixed by Sean Rule Hoffman with theme music by Josh Perlman Hall. Executive producer of this show is Michael D'Aloya. You can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover dash cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at twopingpictures.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at twopingpictures and would love to hear from you there. And if you love Sleepover Cinema, if it's become a staple of your weekly routine, or if it's a new show you've been listening to, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or share an episode with a few friends, maybe even both. We'll chat again soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs>